0: This is the PR podcast, a show about how public relations helps you tell your story to the world. We talk with great PR practitioners who have the skills, creativity and just plain savvy to get their clients noticed. Now, here's your host, Jody Fisher. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the PR podcast. I'm Jody Fisher. Thanks for joining us. Well, have you got yourself your PR podcast plug yet? you know, it's surprising that not more people send in these PR podcast plugs because I thought these would be really, really popular with us PR people. I, I'll, I'll convict myself here that I'm great at promoting my clients, but horrible at promoting myself. <laughs> and as a new agency owner, I got to get better at that. Um, but we want to celebrate uh, all the things that we're doing in the PR uh, community, not just the nine to five, but the awards or the cool TikTok channel that you have. Um, or the book that you wrote or the, uh, you know, the, the sideline service that you provide. Give us something to love on you with. So send us your PR podcast plug to Jody at JodyFisherPR.com or just reach out on one of our social media channels. Let us know something cool that you're doing that's outside of your nine to five. And we will get you a PR podcast plug in an upcoming show. Now on with our show and our guest for Today. Sam Patchett is director at Profile, a 12-person PR agency based in London. He started his career in New Zealand working as a political advisor and press secretary for MPs and ministers at New Zealand's Parliament. After working for boutique Wellington PR outfit Sweeney Vesti, he moved to the UK, where where he has held corporate communications roles at the asset management firm Aegon and the PR agency Grayling. Sam, welcome to the PR podcast.
1: Hi no, Jody, thanks for the very kind introduction. Really good to be speaking with you today.
0: And thanks for joining us. It is uh, it is evening where you are. We take this on Friday afternoons and on the East Coast, but it is evening in London where you are. Um, tell us about what's going on in uh, in the UK these days, uh, especially when it when it comes around to PR and, and what's in the news. You just had a coronation.
1: We sure did. Yes, the coronation was just the weekend just been and. Um, no, it's all gone in the UK, actually. It's been a bit of a tumultuous two or three years, um, obviously, with Brexit happening and quite a lot of kind of political upheaval in the, in the corridors of power, so to speak, in, in Westminster. Um, but I think we're finally starting to kind of reach a stage of a bit more stability going forward, both in kind of the political sense and the corporate sense and the business sense. Um, so I think in the PR sector,
0: it's... It's looking good. The outlook's looking pretty positive. That's good. That's good. I know that the last few years, uh, for a number of reasons, have been quite tumultuous, both for in the U.K. and in the U.S. And I think we could all use a little downtime. <laughs> exactly that. <laughs> Um, but we wanted to have you on the show because we wanted to talk about something um, that's that's near and dear to you, but also something that's really impacting our industry, and that is artificial intelligence and AI. And this is an area that you work in. So tell us a little bit about how you work with AI. Uh, give us a little bit of background, sort of set the scene first before we get into the conversation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, as you know, AI is just dominating the headlines at the moment. Um, across all industries, all sectors. Um, There's been a lot of coverage about the potential downsides, the risks, the pitfalls of AI. I mean, depending what news stories you read, uh, you might be led to think that AI is going to kind of spell the end of all humanity in the next five to 10 years. Um, In the context of PR, I firmly believe that it's, it's a positive development. It should be embraced. Um, there are risks, obviously, with AI, but by and large, we should be embracing it. Um, and, and the reason I think we should embrace it in the PR sector, um, it effectively enables us to take the boring and take the mundane out of PR. Um, there are a lot of very administrative tasks in PR that are often lumped with the junior team members in a PR agency, whether that's coverage reports, whether that's media monitoring, all those kind of things. And traditionally it's kind of been seen as good tasks to, to get young, young team members, junior team members to kind of cut their teeth in PR and, and learn the ropes of PR. But I actually think it's really boring people to death. It's turning people off PR and, and it doesn't really paint us as a very exciting or creative industry. Um, so if we can kind of get those more mundane, boring, administrative, heavy, heavy tasks and kind of lump them with AI instead of lumping them with junior team members. I think it's a positive thing. Um, of course, we need to be aware of the risks. It should only really play a supporting role, uh, not a leading role in an agency. Um, it should only be you know inter- implemented kind of incrementally so you can kind of measure its impact it has on the agency and on the work and on the team. Um, and most importantly, the, the use of AI should be fully disclosed to clients. So you should be very crystal clear Uh, when and how you're using AI with clients. Otherwise, that could kind of um, possibly lead to some some reputation and and, and trust issues with clients going going, um, further down the line.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And you brought up a lot of terrific uh, points there. Um, The one that I'm going to hone in on first is what you said about um, sort of automating or um, taking the burden uh, off of the young PR people who... I know in my experience and your experience, you know, those are the people who are building the clip reports. Those are the people who are doing those mundane tasks in the office. I also, and, and using AI to kind of um, help take that burden off of them and not bore them and not drive them out of the industry, because I think that's important too. I wonder too, if, if AI is almost built for them in a way, because they are typically digital natives who might gravitate towards the use of ai a little bit more as opposed to an old dog like me who's got to you know teach myself how to ride this new bike now <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly that and and i would add to that
0: though jody it is surprising
1: how intuitive a lot of the ai tools are um they are very kind of user-centric in the sense they're very simple and straightforward to use and even i was surprised i mean i'm 30 years old and i thought you know maybe i'm a little bit too old to kind of Use AI and really understand how it works, and just kind of be able to pick it up and roll with it. But it is very intuitive, and um, I, I, and to add to that, that point you make, I think, um, if if we can kind of start to give those more mundane jobs to to artificial intelligence, um, that frees up more time and more energy and more resource that we can kind of put towards more creative endeavors, um, more kind of exciting work, and, and most importantly, work that's actually going to deliver much more value to clients. That's things like multimedia content, video content, photography, um, graphic design, um, those those elements of work that still require a very kind of high level of creativity and human finesse, and it just kind of frees up a lot of um, human time and, and resource to kind of be able to put towards those pieces of work. So in a way, it's almost supercharging Kind of a shift from PR, PR, sorry, being a sector based on kind of press office activity and media engagement to something a lot more kind of full spectrum, more creative um, and and in that sense, it's going to attract a lot more kind of talent from from other industries as well, which which again I think is really positive development.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I think there's there's a lot of opportunity in AI used properly. Um, let's flip that though and talk about the ways that we, again, as PR people in our industry working for our clients, um, that maybe you might want to not see. Wow, that was a clumsy question. How should we not be using AI, right? As PR people, what should what should we be steering people away? From?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the most important thing, as I said before, is. Not so much how we should not be using it. It should be that the most important thing is being fully transparent, fully open uh, with clients, with the public, with the agency, with the rest of the industry, exactly how you're using it, when you're using it, any content or work that you do for a client, make it very clear uh, if it was produced using AI. Um, I think that's the most important thing to get right from the very start. I think a lot of agencies out there might be running AI pilot programs and they'll be slightly hesitant to tell a client that they're using AI because it might come across as a little unauthentic or a little cheap or a little bit of an easy shortcut. Um, But in reality, I think the the kind of risk and reputation issue is a a lot bigger if we're not telling them and then um, that that risks clients becoming kind of shortchanged. So, yeah, as I said, it's, it's mainly about using it with transparency. Um, it's, it's making sure that you're kind of using it, um, integrating it into your agency kind of very slowly, very incrementally so you can fully measure the impact it's having. Um, and it's making sure that it's only ever you know, playing a supporting role and, and not taking a leading role in any, any of your work projects. I think that's the most important thing. I don't think I can kind of ring circle a particular piece of work or type of content that you shouldn't be using it for.
0: Yeah, you're hitting on something that I had thought of um, when I when this conversation in our community first started, which was, you know, it's here. We have to make sure that it's being used properly and ethically, because we're not we're not going to hold it back. We're not going to keep it from happening. So let's make sure that we've got our arms around it. Let's uh let's pivot a little bit. When we're talking about new technologies or new tactics, um, you you've said that the future of PR will be increasingly social media and multimedia led. Um, tell me a little bit about how um, uh, you think that agencies that are going to stick with only press engagement are going to be losing out, and how uh, agencies and and PR practitioners need to shift full bore into that social media multimedia.
1: Absolutely, and and I think that's a really good question, and it it sits right at the heart of kind of what PR is, what it has been up until now, and and what it is going to be moving forward. Um, because a lot of people have um misconceptions about what PR is and what good PR is. Um, and when I say a lot of people, a lot of the time I mean a lot of clients um, don't don't really understand what PR is a lot of the time. Um, and the the kind of layman's description that a lot of people use for PR is effectively um, getting clients into the news for the right reasons and keeping them out of the news for the wrong reasons and that is part of PR that's always going to be part of PR Um, but again I think we're kind of starting to see a pretty fundamental shift in the industry as I said before from one that's always been based on on uh, media engagement pitching media for interviews for op-eds sending out press releases you know that really uh, press office 101 type of activity, um, and then introducing more um, more services, being able to deliver and, and produce more content in house um, on behalf of clients, whether that's videography, whether that's photography, whether that's graphic design. As I said before, whether it's running their social media accounts, um, because I think there's an expectation that that's kind of what PR and comms is nowadays. Um social media is probably just as important, if not more important in some elements, than you know, traditional news media. Um, and having to uh, you know use third-party providers to produce all that content or to, to run a social media channel, having to outsource that is really expensive. If you can bring that in and have the expertise and the and the ability to do that in-house, um it just kind of massively strengthens your hand and in, in what you can offer clients, how much value can you, you can deliver. Um, so I think anyone, you know, any agencies that aren't kind of going down that road, they're just going to miss out going forward. Um, they're going to be lo- losing out to much more um, kind of efficient competition that they can offer a lot more.
0: Yeah, and it has a lot to do, I think, with with um, taking stories and putting them in the right places. I've sort of described to clients in the past that, okay, you have this story idea. Well, maybe it doesn't belong in A a traditional media outlet, like a newspaper or TV station, but it belongs on your social, it belongs on your blog, or it belongs on your website or in your newsletter. Those are all things that PR people should be thinking about and can be doing. And let's be honest here, can be getting paid for, right? We don't have to limit ourselves to just as you put it, press release or you know PR press release one oh one, just writing press releases and shoving them out and hoping to get hit and counting up the hits. That's that's a very old school way of doing what we do.
1: One hundred percent, and it all comes back to what you said just before about all the different platforms you can kind of you can activate: um, social media, websites, third party websites, other kind of digital pr- platforms. All of th- those. Those, those platforms, they're not reliant on having to sell a news story and pique the attention and, and grab the interest of journalists. Um, you can tell those stories um, in your own way, in your own tone, um, at your own kind of discretion on those own channels, and it's sometimes just as effective, just as powerful um, as kind of generating some news. Um, look, clients always want to be on the front page of the business section of the Times or the New York Times. And let's be honest, clients always think that whatever they've got to say is far more interesting, far more engaging, far better than what anyone else is saying. That's not usually the case. Um, Just because they're making some sort of corporate announcement doesn't necessarily make it news. And communicating that message can sometimes be difficult. It's, It's sometimes, difficult to kind of manage those expectations with clients um, but if you can kind of shift that expectation to kind of we're going to get you in the news so we're going to tell you a story in all these other great ways um i think that's a really effective way um to kind of yeah to, to drive that shift that i was talking about before from from uh, one you know an industry based on press engagement to an industry based on
0: you know telling stories through a, a lot of other uh, different kind of vehicles and platforms and a key part of what you're talking about there is is challenging clients um to one think about themselves as not the center of the universe, but realize that there's a universe you know all all out there. Um, I've said in the past to clients, okay, this story is important to you. We have to make it important to them. We have to make it important to people outside the four walls of your organization how do you challenge clients how do you have that conversation and are there prompts that you use to get them to think um, a little more expansively about about what they're trying to promote
1: that's a, that's a really good question and and i think it's it's been kind of a, a source of uh early in my pr career it was a source of frustration for me was that kind of misalignment in and, and expectations and, and misalignment of objectives and Misalignment, and and as I said before, what good PR actually looks like and and what it actually is. And I think I've always thought that agencies need to challenge their clients a lot more than what they do at the moment. Um, The traditional kind of power dynamic in a a relationship, I suppose, between a client and an agency is the client says jump, the agency says how high, um, they carry out the tasks without really challenging the client or pushing back or um, perhaps pointing out what should be you know what they should be uh, doing otherwise Um, but the agency pays the retainer everyone's happy and they just kind of carry on rolling rolling along like that Um, and that whole level of advisor of an agency actually advising a client instead of just be uh, doing what they're told to um, yeah that that level of advisor is, is really lost and I think agencies Need to be a lot more active in, in challenging their clients, and I think to to answer your question, the the most important part of kind of managing the, that expectation and and building that relationship is just being really really brutally honest from day one um, and setting the expectations, telling the clients exactly uh, what you believe you know you can do to deliver the most possible value to them. Um, even if that might not be particularly popular, even if it is, you know, if, if it does lead to some somewhat uncomfortable truths. Um, but then again, then it, it's a good way to kind of pivot towards what we're talking before and saying, look, we can still kind of get your message out there, get your ideas out there, tell your story in a really kind of creative, engaging way. Um, but we also have to be realistic about, um, you know, ha- as you said before, there's a whole there's the whole universe out there beyond the four walls walls of your organization, and what you might think is really really interesting might not necessarily, uh, you know, get get that much cut through out there in the in the wider public and the wider media. Um, so yeah, it's it's about establishing establishing trust from from day one.
0: Wow, and you hit on the key word there, trust, because I think. Um, We all know that trust is earned right it's not given Um, there's a there's a degree of trust that's maybe lent out in the beginning of a relationship. Um, But if you don't follow through and if you don't deliver those results that trust is revoked very, very quickly Um, and done right, you know. um, Pushing the client to think creatively or to walk with you thinking creatively getting outside of that box allows you to then leverage what they have to, the stories they have to tell in a really creative way. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and it leads you towards the Holy grail of what a lot of CEOs want to do, which is thought leadership, mm-hmm. which, is, which I think is way overused as a phrase, but incredibly important in what we do because we are developing trustable, sources of good, usable information and creating thought leaders or creating those trustable sources. Um, How do you go about that with?
1: Yeah, so you are 100% right in the sense that thought leadership is is a bit of a buzzword in PR. Um, It's it's used a a lot of the time and a lot of people probably have slightly different ideas of what it actually is. Um, At Profile, we focus very heavily on thought leadership and and building thought leaders and and making sure that our clients are always saying something different, something interesting. And that comes back to what we are saying before about challenging clients. And and the way I like to describe it is we really challenge our clients to step out of their corporate safe zone. Um, Because a lot of business leaders, be it a CEO or an investor or a founder um, or an entrepreneur, they're hesitant, they're reluctant to kind of raise some eyebrows, maybe throw a bit of shade at their competitors or their peers, say something that they know that others in the industry might not agree with. Uh, they don't want to rock the boat too much. Um, but at the end of the day, we we really encourage them to, you know, avoid just paying lip service and and avoid just keeping the masses happy. Um, steer away from anything that's too... Predictable. Um, anything that's kind of overly commercial in its tone or message, um, and as I said before, really step out of your corporate safe zone um, and, and challenge yourself to to raise some eyebrows, to challenge some kind of conventional wisdom, um, because that's what's going to kind of turn some heads and, and, and as I said before, generate some cut through. And it's not just being sensational for the sake of it; it's about kind of getting across your message and your ideas, as I said before, and a really kind of creative and interesting way and, and finding a way to, to tell that message, that's actually going to you know, tie into the news agenda and, and, and kind of turn some heads.
0: Yeah, couldn't agree more. Are there ways that you have prompted that conversation with clients? Have you? Uh, or is there a way maybe that you can get a reluctant client to start thinking in that way? Is it Serving up an example from somewhere else, or is it coming up with a creative idea and presenting it and say, hey, what do you think of this? I mean, how how do you?
1: Yeah, so there's always pushback. Um, some clients are more than happy to trust us. They say, you know what you're doing. You know what I can say that's going to generate a bit of cut through um, over to you some clients are a bit more reluctant they um and are and so I don't I might upset a regulator I might upset the meter I might upset a a competitor um the way we'd usually run it um would be to have a kind of workshop with them where we just try and flesh out as many insights and, and harness as much information about them and their background and their thoughts and beliefs and ideas as possible then then we kind of challenge ourselves to sit around a table and, and come up with some some really interesting creative ideas that could uh, you know that that our clients could could use to to build their profile. Um, and, and then then present present it to them like that. Um and again, um sometimes it's pushback, sometimes they trust us. It all comes down to the client. But by and large, once they start to see, those ideas, getting a bit of cut through, kind of started to generate a bit of interest, generate some public discussion, uh, even if it's just, you know, a, a LinkedIn post that does quite well and, and generates a bit of engagement. Then that's when the little light bulb, bulb moment, um, you know, switches over and you can see that's when they start to be a lot more kind of open to the idea and then they say, look, I, I understand what we're trying to achieve here. Um, so it, it's like any industry, once the client starts to see results, Starts to see it in action. That's when you know we've got a bit more kind of creative freedom to to really
0: pick up the momentum. And so I guess the takeaway is never give up. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly that, (laughs)
1: hundred percent.
0: Well, Sam, this has been a fun conversation. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are going to segue now into the rapid fire question portion of our podcast. This is where we steal a page from inside the actor's studio, ask our guests a series of rapid fire questions meant to elicit a simple answer, maybe a laugh or two with your indulgence, Sam Patchett, all the way from London. Let's find out rapid fire question. Number one, what is your favorite news source? My favorite news source
1: is actually the evening standard. Uh, It's a London based paper, a daily paper. I read it every morning, uh, sorry, every evening uh, on the way home from the office as I said, very London-focused, good, good business section, good lifestyle section, good sports sections. got everything you
0: need. Excellent. That sounds good. Rapid-fire question number two. What's your favorite social media platform? Uh, personal Instagram from a professional point of view, LinkedIn. Very nice, nice. Rapid-fire question number three. Coffee or alcohol? And you can substitute anything you'd like in there.
1: Uh, coffee or alcohol? I'll go both in abundance.
0: In abundance, I like that. (laughs) Rapid fire question number four, what's your favorite on the run food? 100% has to be falafel and plenty of good falafel places in London. Oh, now you got me hungry. Absolutely. And rapid fire question number five, what do you want to be after you finish this career?
1: I'd love to be a communications manager for a, a major professional sports team. Um, either a football club in London, uh, the All Blacks New Zealand's uh, national rugby team, or even a big NBA team in the
0: States. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, getting some Ted Lasso vibes here, I was going to ask you about your football club. Yeah, Fulham, Fulham FC, Southwest London, my team. <laughs> love it, love it. Well, Sam, this has been a great conversation. Please let people know how they can find you online.
1: Sure. So if you just jump to welcome to profile.com, uh, that's got all the full con- contact details for me, the rest of the team, got our
0: social media feed. So welcome to profile.com. Sounds good. Thanks again, Sam. And thank you everyone for listening. Please remember to subscribe to the show, connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at the PR podcast, and send us a question or a comment. Our intro is by Christopher Apple. You can find him and his fantastic photography on Instagram at Christopher underscore A-P-P-O-L-D-T. Check him out there and hire him for all your photography needs. You can find me online at Jody Fisher on all the socials and on the web at jodyfisherpr.com. We'll see you next time on the PR Podcast.